Hello, and welcome to episode the 18th of the Internet's one and only podcast about comic books, Crying in the Book Club. Uh, we are here to report to you that everything is well on the front. Uh, the divisions loyal to Jean-Luc have captured uh, two cities uh, loyal to, to Alex's legions, uh, and Emily's uh, legions are still on the run, but... From hiding, from exile, from their individual governments in exile, they have joined me once again uh, to record an episode of the podcast. Uh, hated enemies of the Crying in the Book Club state, hello. Uh, I hope you are enjoying our new status quo in the midst of a civil war. <laughs> the internet's one and only podcast about comic books doesn't hit as well when the show isn't called the comics podcast but i i enjoyed the throwback <laughs> well there was a bit of it that was like i just was like oh i'm hosting this week what do i say at the intro and i'm like well wrong podcast but you know it worked and it worked Alex, uh, please uh, give me the information on your weapons emplacements and how many men you have remaining loyal to you. And um, merci beaucoup, garçon. Oh, <laughs> oh no, uh, he's joined the Quebec faction. Uh, au revoir. Um, I'm very sorry that this is still going on, and um, the morale is is low, but you know, so is the book we're going to talk about today piece of shit uh love and war i can't even do a french accent and i don't know what it turns into so that's fine um but things are good things are exciting i haven't read civil war yet or we'll see maybe i'll read it by the time we talk about it in a few it's, minutes <laughs> it's you know alex i wouldn't be too worried that you can't do a french accent because that's just pretty normal for canadians none of you guys can can do a french a proper french accent Wow. It okay. Does it sound like it kind of sounds like you're like, oh, but I can because I'm not Canadian. Is that was that, was that was that the intention, Jean Luc? No, Jean Luc is just sticking up for uh like F France French supremacy, apparently. Oh, yeah, that does sound like very Jean Luc. Yeah, I I am sticking up for French supremacy. That's that's my favorite thing. Of all the supremacies, can you give us your top five? Can you give us a little, uh, little, uh, little short list? Little, my uh... top five French supremacies? No, no, no top, five supremacies. top five supremacies. Oh, my French. top five supremacies. Uh, for legal reasons, my lawyer is telling me to stay silent on this matter. Yep. Um, Jean-Luc's lawyer also also runs our, our Twitter account. So check it out at Crying Book Club <laughs> on Twitter. Yeah, my lawyer, the social media intern, they fill a lot of roles. <laughs> my wife. They wear a lot of hats. <laughs> Not that. Oh, as far as we, we know. As far as we know, true, so yeah. true. Yeah. Uh, but we are here to talk about the 2006 Marvel event comic, the Mark Miller and Steve Mc, uh, McNiven Masterstroke. Huh? And any any Civil War enjoyers? Civil War. <laughs> this is our first uh, true show of the year. Um, oh yeah! Welcome to the new year. New year, new podcast. New yeah. new year, new Civil War. I'll say it's a little bit grating going from last week or you know two weeks ago talking about like oh these are the best books of the year. These are really good, and it's so hard. Like oh, where are we going to put Batman: The Long Halloween? Is it a top five book? Is it here? And now we're like oh let's start the year off with Civil War. 
So l- last year was about good to like, like fantastic to like good books. This year we're just, you'll see. Why are you hating, Alex? You'll last see. Last year I, we I'm... really stacked the deck with a bunch of bangers, and now we're gonna dive into real comics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, and you know, in a way, it's like you you feed people these great books, and then they still have to read monthly comics, and some of them aren't great. I gotta say, I felt a little tricked reading this because when I agreed to read Civil War, it wasn't with the knowledge that Mark Millar wrote Civil War. This is common knowledge. I didn't know because I don't care. (laughs) I really like, I just, I had not read Civil War. So I just didn't like, it never occurred to me to look into. I figured I would read it someday but like just had never done it. And so I, I did not realize that Mark Millar wrote this and um, you feel it. You feel it. You know, not only did he write this, but he won a Harvey award for it. So. I bet he did. That absolutely tracks. I was wondering why, like, you know, I've always heard about the Harvey awards and the nominees and I was like, why isn't, why isn't this like as big as, as the Eisners and stuff? And you know, the thing, and this is why we got it. We got the answer. Nice thing. Yeah, that yeah. I, I will was, say it was a different time. It was a different Civil War time. was nominated for an Eisner. I'm pretty sure. I don't think it won. I did, well, I know it didn't win, but I'm pretty sure it was a it was a nominee. It, it was a different time, Jean Luc. And uh, <laughs> as we talk great. about this, there there are things in here that I could see that would resonate well with the comics audience at the time. Yeah, winning an award, this comic coming out when it did and winning an award does not surprise me at all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Civil War for those who don't know came out between 2006 and 2007. So, uh, you know, a little coming in on 15 years or I guess more than 15 more, years, 16 more, years, yeah, 16 years, 17th that's year a, anniversary. That's the so, one. Yeah. Congratulations to civil war. Maybe, wow. you know, I guess that means three years from now, if they follow the trend, we'll be getting civil war three or four years from now, we'll be getting civil war three. That's so uh, civil war two was given its sequel on the 10th anniversary of, of civil war. Um, but yeah, I mean, Civil War is a pretty iconic Marvel event. It's, you know, I would say in some ways the iconic Marvel event, uh, the one that sort of provided a blueprint for what modern event comics look like. Uh, you know, obviously there's other books that you can look at in that lineage, things like Infinite Crisis at DC, obviously as well, all played a big role in, in shaping, you know, what we think of as superhero events that happen three times a year now. If we're lucky, if we're lu- yeah, if we're lucky, we only get three. Anyone, any Dark Crisis readers out there? I was in a comic book store today, and they had a hardcover of Doomsday Clock, uh, uh, Batman. No, uh, what's the one with with the Joker and all the Jokers? Shoot. War of the Jokers. Dark Knight's Metal, big hardcover. Oh, metal, yeah. And then they had a big hardcover of a third book that was also, oh man, I don't know. Anyway, it was it, it was like a trinity of like. Probably like five, probably like a thousand dollars worth of comics, and it was yep. three books, and it was like three series that were just like fantastic, just, just awesome, top yeah. of the line. Oh. Just like Civil War was was awesome. I'm not gonna be uh, negative anymore. That's my sorry. That's it. That's <laughs> I don't it. think not, that's. I don't think that's true. Now that we're talking about the book, it's all gonna be positive. Look, I, I will say, I, I might shit on Civil War a little bit, but its worst sin is actually that it spawned Spider-Man One More Day. Which would not be possible without Civil War. Oh, we should have so, read that. I, I, I've never read no. that before. I know what happens, but it, it, like just just as like a ending. 
Yeah, just a just a little dessert to go with the uh, the Civil War, me- the meal of Civil War. Yeah. Uh, what happens though? What what what's what's it all about, John? Yeah. So what I is, guess what, I should. Who's the so-called so the, 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 the war? Well, I will uh, say that there's a spoiler warning if you haven't read this 16 year old highly influential event comic, which but they you know, know it's bad already. Okay, it. no, no more. <clears throat> <laughs> um, but yeah, so so Civil War is fairly the title does kind of explain the plot of the book which is that it's a a superhero civil war that pits you know friends against friends for all its flaws they named the hell out of this book it sure is a fucking civil war they did uh and you know brother against brother there's a lot of talking which is very civil it's a lot of like oh let's not fight let's talk it but be sassy and then they fight a little bit and then yeah yeah well Stop me if you guys have heard this before, but the setup for Civil War is that... so Okay, so there's this group of, like, young superheroes. They're called the New Warriors. And, you know, they don't really have the same moral grounding as as their forebears. And so instead of, like, trying to, you know, save people, they're like, damn, we got superpowers? Let's film a reality TV show. Which, to be fair, is kind of a good idea. Uh, but Running what ends up... The theme in this book is... This is kind of a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, another kind of good idea is that they just like find a group of supervillains who are just, I guess, renting a suburban house in somewhere in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, what if we just like beat the shit out of these? They're not doing crimes right now. <laughs> they have. Uh, this, is con- this is content. You know, you got to while out for 10K on Insta, you know, do the turn the Insta it's live honestly, stream on. In the first scene, this book was ahead of its time. Oh, totally. Like, 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 like the first scene I was in, I was like, this is, yeah. Yeah. And, and again, like, stop me if you've heard this before, but then they, they start fighting these new, the, these supervillains. And one of the supervillains, Nitro, uh, blows himself up, uh, destroys an elementary school, kills 600 people, uh, and all of the new warriors, except for Speedball, I think is his name, the fast guy. One of the tie-ins is like a three-issue Wolverine arc about him hunting down the that guy. Uh, I know this because when I was a teenager, I torrented Civil all of Civil War, and it had every single tie-in issue in order in chronological order, and I just read them in that order, which was about. Oh, I mean that's kind of that's kind of handy. Well, it was, you know, it was good, uh, it was good file organization. It, yeah, you know. that's what, I, you know, yeah. like, I, that's all I have to say about that, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, in the fallout of, you know, blowing up an elementary school, uh, the, the American government pushes a piece of legislation through Congress called the Superhero Registration Act, uh, which would force any, you know, costumed vigilantes to... Uh, basically become shield agents, become officially sanctioned, get, you know, cushy government jobs with salaries and pensions and benefits, but also, you know, have to put, give up their secret identities, make those public information, and also do the bidding of the U.S. government, which I don't see the problem with that. I think they do good stuff. So I don't know why anyone would be against that. America, the beautiful. Obviously, there's you know there's some there's some hooligans like Captain America who think that you know these things are wrong, and they form a new version of the Avengers called the Secret Avengers, which is not 
that secret because everyone knows who's on the secret Avengers. Uh, mostly because the secret Avengers have like big fights with the real Avengers all the time, like in public. Um, and so it, it's basically, you know, on one side, you've got Captain America and on the other, it's sort of the Trinity of Tony Stark, Reed Richards and Hank Pym. Uh, folks, we love uh, trifecta of domestic abusers uh, working together, doing good stuff. Douchebag uh, trio. Yup. Uh, so the first couple issues, you know, it's just basically a lot of recruitment from, from both sides. Uh, Captain America and, and the Falcon convince, you know, the young Avengers and Hercules and Daredevil to join their cause. Tony Stark, you know, talks Spider-Man into, you know, revealing his identity to the public. Uh, and it sort of the first half of the series culminates in this fight between the secret Avengers and the Avengers uh, in a trap set up by Tony Stark, uh, you know, the secret Avengers are kind of beating their ass, uh, beating the Avengers ass a little bit until they uh, unleash a cyborg Thor. Because if you don't know, Thor is currently dead in at this point in the Marvel universe. He Thor's they replaced him with Sentry because whatever. Can't talk. I'm not talking about Sentry. Uh, <laughs> we don't have time for that. But that uh, cyborg Thor kills uh, Goliath. Uh, it's Bill Wait, Foster can we read Goliath. Sentry? Huh? No, I'm. We're not. Ta- I'm never. I'm not reading any Century comics. That guy sucks. No, well, there was that one Century comic that like everybody fucking lost their nuts over. Oh, the Coheed and Cambria song Century the Defiant. Yeah, yeah that's obviously what I'm talking about. I actually <laughs> don't know what you're referring I'll, to. I'll, right? I'll look it up later. But there was one that I read because like a bunch of people like really liked it when I was in uh, high school. I thought everyone was like me and hated the Century. I, I guess I, I mean, was wrong. Look, things. Uh, Things were different back in, like, 2011. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, having, you know, sort of seen the lengths that that the Richard Stark Pym trifecta are willing to go, uh, there's a bunch of heroes who have their faith in the Superhero Registration Act shattered. So Spider-Man, Invisible Woman, Human Torch, Black Panther, Storm, a few others, the Punisher, you know, they either defect from... Uh, Stark's Avengers, or they, you know, sort of step off of the sidelines uh, to work with the Captain America's Secret Avengers, which you know prompts then prompts the Avengers to start using super criminals to fight the superheroes. Uh, this is the origination of the Thunderbolts moniker, which is you know the Thunderbolts are still there's a Thunderbolts book going on right now, and it all culminates. Uh, when the Secret Avengers uh, attack the massive extra-dimensional prison uh, that takes place in the Phantom... Uh, not the Phantom Zone, sorry. The Negative Dimension. Uh, hmm. Different... Negative Zone. Different things. Different things. The Guantanamo. Man, reading this and Kingdom Come back-to-back was really an interesting experience. Did you do this on purpose? Did I? I, I don't... Mm, it didn't occur to me. Okay. <laughs> no, I did do this. I totally did this on purpose. You may Both not have thought good. about it. No, this was I, this is why I wanted to do Civil War like okay. immediately because oh, I wanted you know, to do it back to back with Kingdom Come. I now remember you making some sort of quip about that, but I didn't get it because I hadn't read it yet. Yep. And now, now you unfortunately, and now, now you unfortunately, know. I understand. And then you know, there's a big super. There's a big fight. Uh, cloak. Uh, teleports all of the secret Avengers and the Avengers and the Thunderbolts out of the super prison and into the streets of New York. Why? 
I don't, I actually, that's a great question, Alex, <laughs> because the secret Avengers are like winning. They're, they're, they are demolishing the Avengers. Namor shows up because he's really horny for Sue Storm. We'll talk about that. We'll talk, we'll talk about that page. Hercules <laughs> destroys the cyborg Thor. You know, they're getting shit done. And the only reason that they lose is because Captain America just like gets tackled by five random civilians who are like two of them are healthcare workers. One of them's a police officer. The other one's like a construction worker, a firefighter. It's like, it reminded me of those um, drawings that people did in the beginning of the pandemic where they would have like, like superheroes saluting hospital workers. You know what I'm talking about, right? Well, it's like oh, my yeah. favorite 9-11 cover of all time, which is like Captain America and Spider-Man and a bunch of them like lined up with like 9-11 first responders saluting the American flag. Okay, I don't think I've seen this. The Did Superman was was a little me? better. It was like uh, it was like in the aftermath when that like helped and he was like, wow, these are the real heroes. But it was still yeah. it was the exact same like it's the same same vibe, but yeah. So Captain America just has this sudden realization that like, damn, we're actually fighting each other and not the bad guys, which that's the book loose definition of what the who the bad guys are here, buddy. Like, I, you are fighting Venom. Like, it, there is not a I don't know what the like we're not fighting the bad guys anymore thing is. That is Venom. He is a bad guy. <laughs> But anyway, the event ends with, you know, Captain America in prison. A- after this, he gets assassinated in prison, by the way. <laughs> no, no. Wow, spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, that Yeah, well, that, it, it actually leads to the phenomenal Ed Brubaker Captain America book with uh, Bucky as oh, Captain, okay. with the Captain America. But very dumb. Tony Stark becomes the head of, the sh- of, of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, yeah. and the U.S. government rolls out 50 officially sanctioned superhero teams. They gave them all their own ongoing series. Oh my God. Not, not actually. I think only a couple of them got, okay, got good. Their, got their good. own series. It was not the new 52 of superhero teams. Um, and yeah, that's what happens in, in war. You literally almost said kingdom come. I did. There's a lot of other stuff. Like I said, I, I have read all the tie-ins, which I will say um, may have colored my memory of Civil War because I remember there being this whole like internal conflict with Spider-Man, like trying to decide if he should leak his identity and like no, talking to Aunt read, May. You just read it a spinoff. That ain't in the book. <laughs> but anyway, I, you know, to sort of jump off of that, this is the first like superhero event we've comic we've done. And so I'm Is it also curious. a Marvel book? No, yeah. we did Daredevil Born Again. Right, right, right. Somehow less fucked up politics than this book, maybe. We'll get into that. Um, but without getting too deep into rich text. This is a incredibly rich text. And it's honestly one of the books that I'm most excited to talk about that we've and, and yeah, I mean, we've read a lot of great books. Oh, we've read a lot of great books, but there's something about a book that just, like, has so much to give, and this is one of them. It, it, it truly has so much to give. But before we get into that, I'm curious, and this is probably going to be about a one-word answer for both of you, if I had to guess, but how much of the Marvel Universe status quo 
would you in 2006 would you say you guys were aware of well i was i read a lot of runaways when i was in high school so i i and i that includes actually the uh, Civil War Runaways crossover. I I read that as well, despite not reading any of the other uh, Civil War stuff at the time. So, like, I wasn't, like, I wasn't, like, ca- I mean, I wasn't reading comics in 2006, 2007, but when I was reading comics in, like, 2010, 2011, I was probably, I like, I was kind of getting some of what had happened around that time through like cultural osmosis and also sure. through reading like various random things. Totally. No, that makes a lot of sense. Alex. Yeah. I knew nothing of these people and their activities. And frankly, I'm shocked and saddened. Um, it's, it's also interesting because most of the events that I've read have been DC comics events um other than ones that we've you know tried on i think back when we were doing the 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 comics podcast how does this compare i i won't i don't want to be negative but like i want to reread black as night again and like infinite crisis because from what i remember those were bangers and reading this it's not but i'd love to talk about it i'm also kind of scared to talk about it because it's like it's like a yeah it's like i felt i was missing critical information like thor shows up and i'm sure for like if you're a marvel reader at the time you're like oh thor is back i was like oh it's just thor and everyone's like it's thor and i'm like guys he's in every book right like this is a thing and he's like wait no that's that's cyborg thor and he's been implanted with a hair that tony stark kept from the first time he ever met thor 35 years ago hold on i have questions well you can finish your point but i have questions about thor (laughs) (laughs) and then the all the tie-ins and uh Jean-Luc mentioned the the delay that this series had because oh, yeah. of the art and all the tie-ins being delayed and this being thing it felt like nothing really happened in this like things happened in this book but I felt like they went at too fast of a pace and we didn't really get any meat it was mostly like characters telling us about the character progression they've had and the events that have happened like one minute Spider-Man's in his costume and he's like I'm never gonna join Iron Man and then he's like I'm, and then he's in another costume and he's like I am gonna join and then he's like, I'm not so sure. And then he leaves him again. And it's like, this development did not happen in the in the, in the event in Civil War. Which is very, it's it's bold. It's, it's, it's a bold thing to do. It's a bold thing to do. <laughs> I, I love that in, I, I think it's Civil War issue five. It just picks up with Tony Stark and Spider-Man in the middle of fighting each other. I was so confused. I was like, I literally like scrolled up. Like, did I miss something? And I did, but not in this book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you missed the the Spider Man tie. Fool that I am. <laughs> Fool that you are. Yeah. But yeah, that's that. I think gets it like one of the the issues with Civil War, which is that I reading it again. This and this is the first time I've revisited it since I read all of it in high school, and I don't think you can read this on its own like i think like it is bonkers to me unsuccessfully right no i i know that you you both of you now have but like i don't understand like like i don't think you can read this Uh, these seven issues and come away 
feeling like you just read a complete story. If you if you go to the site that is cursed and you type in Civil War, you find Civil War opening shot, Civil War, the road to Civil War, Civil War, war crimes, Civil War, frontline, Civil War files. What if Civil War, Civil War, the return? I believe war, the I initiative. had to send you guys a link and be like, this is the one we're supposed to read, right? Because I needed to make sure because they're so fucking mad. Civil War, the confession, Civil War, X-Men, Civil War, 2015, Civil War, Iron Man, Civil War, Captain America. And then you finally see Civil War 20, 2006. That's a seven issue series. And you missed Civil War Punisher War Journal. Oh, yeah, there it is. (laughs) And the thing is, I'm looking here, and Civil War 2 doesn't have quite as many tie-ins, but it's clearly they were inspired by what happened with Civil War 1 and wanted to, like, you know, be like, oh, it'd be funny if we, like, did the same thing. It'd be really good. Um, Yeah, I was really thinking it would be funny. (laughs) Like, it's definitely... I, I don't know if I like the idea, but I understand the idea that, like, okay, a big event happens, and it literally happens across all parts of this big universe. And if you're a Marvel fan reading at the time and reading a lot of books, it can be exciting where you're like, in order for me to get this full story, because it's like a world's full of stories and heroes going on. I'm already reading these books and I can like piece it together. And maybe I'll pick up this one for this month because Civil War is so cool. Um, On that end, I'm like, okay, it makes sense as an event comic, but also like, it also is like nothing on its own, which makes it kind of fail as an event comic. Like the event isn't in the comic. It's just like the scale of how many books are tied in. It's not actually like, in the seven issue miniseries. Well, in a way, it's sort of incredible that they've managed to replicate the experience of an event comic in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> because, like, you can't watch hardly any of the new movies that come out without having seen, like, the first five that came before it, minimum. Somebody wrote an article about this when infinity war came out and got and had and got yelled at for it but you know i'm sorry i'm sorry for yelling at you i you know (laughs) yes it was me but yeah i i kind of wanted to you know just you know because of how much civil war mirrors the structure of kingdom come i thought it'd be fun if we mirrored the structure of our kingdom come episode and you know talked about some of these characters uh insofar as we can given what is actually on the pages here and i think that a good place to start is probably captain america uh who you know is really the center of the center of this story um and i'm i'm curious and we don't necessarily have to get into like directly contrasting captain america with superman in in kingdom come although we certainly can do that but what did y'all think about you know captain america's his his moral grounding here, his, his reasons for opposing the the superhero registration act, and ultimately his you know cowardly move to to surrender to to the police state. Yeah, it's it's like it's it all started off nicely. It started off and it was like Captain America doesn't want superheroes to have to be registered in employees of the U.S. government, right? You're like, cool. It's cool that you're Captain America and you're going up against America. I always like those stories too, where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, America is not a fantastic place. And like the hero that supposedly embodies America, is it, is it the America that's real or the America, is, is it something that America should strive to be? Which is what I think is, you know, most interesting with, with Captain America. Um, and then he fights a couple times and then it becomes a little more like 
little more a little more questionable with his decisions and like you know human life being thrown away and then he just gives up like he, he just at the end he we've talked about it but he's just like wait a minute you're not Are bad we guys the baddies? exactly it, it, it's not even like it's not even like, are we the baddies? It's like, they the good guys. So, me, go to jail. And then, so, the big thing at the end then is he takes off his mask and says, I'm going to jail as Steve Rogers, not as Captain America. And I don't know if that's supposed to be a big symbolic point or something like that. I, I think it was supposed to be framed that way. Bro, um, you're still in the costume. <laughs> yeah, like your bottom, you're still Captain, like, unless you're naked. You're still Captain America, which would have been would have been cool. Um, and then they could have done the Marvel censor stuff thing as well. Um, it just seems like looking at Kingdom Come, where Superman has this arc where he's like locking people up um, and, and, tr- and trying to like hold these superheroes accountable. And then at the end, he sort of like he has progression in here where he like kind of becomes the Superman that people believe him to be. And like he's not perfect, but he's sort of growing. And for Captain America, it just seems like at the end he's like, "Oh shit, no, ah, oh, I was wrong. Okay, my bad." And it's like the stuff you're fighting against was reasonable and there's a reason to fight against it. And it was just like, nah, bye. It's hard to talk about Captain America in this comic without just talking about the politics of the comic on a broader scale. Because like, we don't have characters in this comic. We have pieces on the board and some of the pieces are for one side and some of the pieces are for the other like how is it that in four issues kingdom come managed to like at least imbue like the main like three characters at the heart of the story with so much like everything and yet there is like nothing on the page here for these characters in civil war like they are essentially nothing they are vehicles to move the story forward (laughs) and like i feel like so much of this comic relies on you as a reader having emotions connected to these characters already. Totally. And I think even, even more so than them just being like vehicles to move the story forward, they're kind of just these hollow avatars for Mark Millar's political argument. Yeah. That's kind of, yeah, that's that's what I, that's what I meant. Uh, But that's a better way of putting it. Right. Which, which is, extremely hard to parse at points because what does this book want me to think and don't get me wrong i don't think that stories have to be prescriptive i don't think that this book has to be telling me like i want you to think a certain thing but like it feels like this book is saying something but i am having a very difficult time parsing what that is exactly at the end of the book you know iron man gets his prison of superheroes right captain america turns himself in and is it like oh but like maybe the good guy's in prison maybe we should be thinking about this maybe we should all be it just feels like a like a like a like a very like middle of the line like what if everyone's bad but what if that means everybody's good and then like i don't know read some event comics because a lot of the stuff in this book is 
serving other series and other stuff and it, it might be serving some good stuff like uh, Jean-Luc you mentioned the the Brubaker Captain America run which kind of comes out of here and serving some bad stuff like the you know one more day Spider-Man thing um bam bullet to the head yeah this book is nothing which is it, it's interesting because I, n- I never read Silver before Jean-Luc you clearly have back in the day um and Emily you have it but you read that one thing of the, the runaways um it was barely just- even connected that that's probably for the best it's it's another thing where like this was such a hyped up thing and like i don't hear people saying now that like civil war was good but it like everyone knows civil war um when you read it back in the day jean-luc was this a book that you enjoyed was this a book that like like what were you do you remember your thoughts on it back then yeah i liked it i i remember thinking that a lot of the characters had like these really intricate and like detailed like internal struggles that were compelling because in a lot of ways like the the dichotomy and the conflict that the book sets up is a compelling one because when you put it in context of coming out in 2006 2007 this is you know height of the iraq war post 9-11 sort of fervor where the arguments that they're making it's very obvious what the arguments the characters are making are supposed to be stand-ins for which is you have Captain America on one side, you know, adopting the more like liberal lefty view of we like we shouldn't be sacrificing individual freedoms and, you know, we shouldn't be building a police state and a military industrial complex at the expense of our own freedoms just so that we can fight some, you know, foreign enemy some potential threat and the counter argument of well you just hate us and want us to die at the hands of terrorists and actually you wish that more elementary schools got blown up by superheroes filming reality tv it's such a mark millar opening that that thing too where it's like of course it's like it's like an elementary school just like boom gone See, see that thing, I mean, yeah, like, it is very much of its time in terms of, like, that is, like, just Millar edgelord shit for sure, but you kind of have to have something that is, like, on par with 9-11 for the metaphor to really work, even though I think 9-11 had happened in the Marvel Universe, <laughs> so, and presumably the superheroes didn't actually stop it i don't i, I don't I, i'm a little fu- fuzzy on, on the history that, there that would have been a good question to ask Mark that Miller. sounds like a good themed episode <laughs> you, you like raise your hand at comic-con you're like oh mr millar um so did the superheroes just not stop 9-11 is that is that what happened is that cool but you need an event on par with that so i i get it did it have to be an elementary school? That's probably a little over the top. Could have it's been like, a high school. It's such like a shock value. Like, oh, and totally. 600 kids were extinguished. Yeah. Wow. You yeah, know, Marvel totally. comics are for adults, guys. They're serious. Plus, They're I serious. don't think that um, the, what is her name? Sh- Miriam Sharp. I don't, yes. I don't think that that characterization would have like, I feel like you kind of have to have her have a dead child. It's true. Like but, I, yeah, lots of kids died on nine eleven. Like, it, yeah, I, I yes, it, it makes the setup for that character much easier. Also, something that was really interesting about this comic is how much it put into focus 
how badly the Captain America Civil War movie bungled trying to incorporate some of this into the MCU because it feels so like I don't know it feels like it feels like it, as much of a nothing of this comic is it makes the movie feel like even more nothing well because the movie is totally devoid of political context right yeah. like it's it, it it's completely like sanded down in in that way because I mean, it, it has to be because you have to make Marvel movies that are for everybody. So you can't, not that I think the comic is particularly good at making a, a political point, but you especially can't do that in the MCU adaptation. Even if I think that the political point it's making is like weird and confusing, like at least it's saying something. Right. Like it's the movie yeah. is just not saying anything and that's almost worse. Yeah. And like, in the movie too like it's like oh it's team captain america versus team iron man and there's like six heroes on each side it's like wow 12 people are fighting right now oh my gosh i mean in, in this book at least they do get the scale right where it's like yeah wow, half the superheroes on one side half on the other read all the tie-in books because everybody's fighting yeah it doesn't really feel like a civil war in the movie so much as like yeah. a squabble between roommates Exactly. And then, like, I mean, if you're looking at Civil War's impact on the MCU, it's like a little bit, a little bit, and then it's gone. And then it's like Infinity War happens and, and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, um, they unfortunately did not have Captain America murdered by uh, his girlfriend's granddaughter. Uh, but but I actually think wait, that, isn't like... isn't that the one that he macked on in the movie, though? In Winter Soldier, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Winter Soldier. Yeah, it's okay. that character who... I didn't in, know that. Uh, <laughs> That's... Yeah. Well, she was technically brainwashed, but it's a whole thing. The MCU likes their brainwashing and their clones. No, 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 no. In, in the comics, she was brainwashed. Sorry, not the MCU. The uh, the Marvel, yeah. just comics. I don't know why. I, yeah. I actually think that I actually think that like Captain America's arc is really telling about what Millar is like trying to say, like politically, because I I think the book starts off presenting the Secret Avengers as the good guys. And, like, you are supposed to root for them in the way that, like, a lot of stories set this stuff up. They're, like, they're the scrappy underdogs. They're fighting against, like, authoritarian, creeping authoritarianism. You know, Captain America actually, like, gets to, like, make his ideological points in ways that the other characters don't in terms of, like, being against, like, you know... So the surveillance state and the police state and and he he says in the second issue and that scene on the helicarrier to maria hill that like he doesn't think that superheroes should just be doing the bidding of the american government like acting on their whims which is a great scene in in ways that like and then like you just see like when you start seeing defections from the secret avengers happen it's like yeah sue leaves because sue storm lee invisible woman leaves because she sees the horrifying things that her husband is willing to do and is like, I don't want to be party to that. Right. It is the, the Avengers are the ones who actually start killing people and, and, and imprisoning people. And so you see Captain America as the good guy and the protagonist and the hero that you're rooting for. And ideologically you're on his side, you know, which makes the ending that, which actually makes me feel like 
the political message isn't that confused because of the ending, right? Which is that, and I don't know if this is like a Marvel editorial thing or a holy shit, how else are we going to wrap this up in this last, in seven issues? But Captain America having that full turn of realizing he was wrong the whole time, I think is telling about what the book is trying to say politically and like how ill-equipped Millar is to address these issues. It's, it's yeah, for, for me, it's a clunky way of being like Republicans, Democrats shouldn't fight each other. They should work together for the greater good. Well, I, okay, is it, am I just bringing too much of my own bias or like my own politics to the ending or does anyone else also feel like there's something supposed to be like a little mildly sinister about Tony, like at the end of the comic? Oh, 100 100%. Okay, well then that's part of why I'm confused. <laughs> Is because like if I like if the comic had been setting up like you're supposed to root for Captain America, but oh, actually he was in the wrong and you're supposed to be with Tony or whatever. Like I would have been like, well, I feel like this was badly executed but at least i understand what's going on but then like they flip it again at the very end and now i just don't under i don't understand and i guess maybe that's because what i'm not understanding is a hook to get me to read other comics and yeah and I, <laughs> like I, avengers I disassembled and I, yeah that's mostly it's like this book can't really have much of an ideological like <laughs> presence at all because it's like it's also an event comic where they're trying to get you to read other stuff and it's also like at the end they're like what well what's the twist like okay like if, if iron man loses this like if, if you're on issue one and you're looking at issue seven it's like if iron man is the bad guy and like loses that's not a surprise that's like okay that's kind of what you expect what if the captain america win is? in the end yeah. and this whole time it's a swap and then it's like does that mean that iron man's the good guy but then he's a bit sinister at the end so like maybe he's not the good guy. Maybe the good guy's lost. Who knows? Oh, read I guess comics. I gotta read more comics. Okay. Yeah. Then I guess I'm not uh, that confused. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm I, still a little confused, like ideologically, but uh, on like a an understanding of commerce level. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, what's so interesting about this too is that Millar in interviews has like tried to distance himself from the politics of this book. He, he basically has tried to say like, yeah, when I wrote the ultimates, like I was being explicitly political, which is, we should read actually, if we were smart, we would be reading the ultimates right after this because the ultimates is like a complete skewering of like American, like fascist obsession in the wake of nine 11. Interesting. Uh, in, in a way in like, almost a kind of like Bill Maher-esque way though in the, mm. that like, if, if that comparison makes any sense. Of no, like, I you know, can very much see that. Yeah. The like Republicans are, are bad and all of this is bad, but like, Oh, you guys Republicans are, to... are bad, but Democrats are also kind of annoying. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's kind of, it's kind of that, but like, that's the panel with the very famous, like Captain America pointing at the A and saying, you think this A stands for France? <laughs> We read the wrong book. We read the so, wrong book. So we kind of did. It's a better to go to from Kingdom Come to this, but I think we should do yeah. the Ultimates because I I think sure. it makes the politics of this book even more 
confusing. Uh, so what I, I want that, to be more confusing. And I confused. think that that is awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but that like but Millar is like said I he he wasn't didn't set out to write a political book he set out to write a book that's like at its core about superheroes fighting the superheroes which I don't that can't I can't be believe that at all I just there, think he's there's a, not enough I, fighting either it's just so boring I, I genuinely think that he's like a little embarrassed based on that by how this turned out like given like what his politics at that at the time were that like in retrospect. My sense from that is that, in retrospect, he would want to do it differently, uh, which yeah, maybe. fair enough. I would do a lot differently uh, in in this book. Emily um, mentioned um, the the Miss the Miss Sharp character who uh, you get introduced to her after the kids get blown up and yeah. Tony's at the funeral and she's all like, "You killed my son by being an Avenger and by you know financing the Avengers and all that," and that's sort of what gets Tony to be like, "Okay, we need to register these these superpowered beings." Um, I wrote notes and one of my notes is lol miss sharp shut the fuck up because it's just like the stuff she says and like the her whole thing like cops have to train to carry badges what are you guys doing and it's just like with- I have so many questions about this book and its feelings on cops so let's put a pin in that we will revisit but I also have some thoughts about um Miriam Sharp so continue Alex there's there's just a lot of there's a lot of moments in this book that made me laugh and when i checked the discord this morning the screenshots most of them were that and it's like first of all like sue storm and neymar neymar not neymar the soccer player uh, neymar the underwater guy they just have a scene where she like goes down there and is like need to help us and he's like but you like me and she's like shit i do i I love that scene where where she goes down there and is like trying to play it cool and he's like he just says like god you're so horny right now aren't you (laughs) I can tell by your breathing it's, in the water. Oh god, and it's it like is so bad. He can hear her heartbeat through the waves. Yeah, which and I lo- to be fair, that is like a thing. Is that Sue and Namor, like Sue, despite being married to Reed, her and Na- Namor have this like. I was gonna ask because, like, I had not gotten to that part when you were making jokes about that in the group chat so i thought you because we were just talking about the fantastic four in general i thought you were just being general and then it came up in this book yeah 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 yeah. yeah. that's that's why i i made the joke that like the main conflict in fantastic four is that reed richards is incredibly bad at sex and namor is incredibly good at sex and so just yeah reed makes so many questionable decisions and like the, the scene that was shared in the in the Discord was was this little thing as like it, it's a letter from from Sue to Reed and basically being like I'm leaving you right now to go with Johnny to fight with the Secret Avengers or whoever they're called, um, and so he's like okay I also didn't want your last memory of me to be tainted with all the blazing fights we've had in recent weeks hence the oily fish dinner bracket good brain food the bottle of your favorite favorite claret an excellent antioxidant and making love one final time good for the immune system just like see but that is to me it's 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 funny and it's cringe but it's also like yeah like she knows reed better than anyone right like that because she nails him in 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 that like she she has like this perfect understanding she does and then then sets him off to bed and then leaves leaves him with the kids and like i said in the chat i feel like having sex with the full knowledge that you're going to leave your husband even though she like when i say leave i don't mean that she's like trying to divorce him but she does 
abscond in the middle of the night. Like, having sex with your husband when you know you're going to do that is, like, low-key psychopathic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But as we also established, Sue is the ultimate female manipulator. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Sue is a... I mean, Sue is one of the characters that gets the most screen time and page time in, in Civil War. Like, she's kind of the one who wavers the most, right? Like, you have Reed and well, Tony... they don't have Wonder Woman, so they had to pick a woman. A different woman. Well, they also do Spider-Man, but I really, like, again... Well, Spider-Man's not Spi- a woman. Well, no, I know... Right, but also the Spider-Man stuff all happens off-screen. Yeah. Like, it, it doesn't happen in the comic. Because he has the same internal conflict as Sue, which, like, like you said, they need Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman, so got a girl mm-hmm. um but like uh, but her her conflict is kind of compelling uh, and it's just weird that it's weird to offload the uh, the other characters that have those internal conflicts to the tie-in issues when you would think that that would be like the richest thing to focus on for for the, what? the main book so spider-man i think we mentioned it earlier but he starts off and he's got his like red and gold costume yeah. And then when he gives up his identity, he's wearing his regular Spider-Man costume. Mm-hmm. And then when you see him again, he's wearing his red and gold costume. We, we got a reason for this? Just because... Yeah, like... so... Okay, yeah. So, at this point, he's wearing... He's in the Iron Spider costume. Yeah. Which is the costume that Tony Stark designed for him. Yeah. Uh, he was... Using... Yeah. He was using it. There is a lot... If I'm remembering correctly, and again, my memory might be a little bit hazy here... But there is a line in one of the Spider-Man tie-in issues where he's talking to Tony and Tony specifically says it's better for PR if you're in the suit that everybody recognizes. You know, I kind of actually assumed that, but it's very funny that they just put that in plain text. Yeah, because like, of course, that is what you would assume that like you put him in the iconic costume that everyone knows Spider-Man as because it's more powerful for the cameras. But then, obviously, as soon as that's done, he goes back to the to the Iron Spider suit. Which, I mean, you know, it, it is a nice touch to be like, it's all, like, performative and all that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, may, totally. Maybe not for Peter, but he's sort of been manipulated. Um, it's just, like, reading the series and not knowing what's going on in the Spider-Man universe, you can almost be like, are these two different people? Are there two different Spider-Mans? Because it's not explained in the comic. It's just like, hmm. I mean, that stuff is all interesting. Like, the way that you know, Tony and Reed sort of play the public and, and, and win like the hearts and minds and, and, and use PR and stuff like that is compelling, right? Like, because in this universe, obviously you would have people, real people would have opinions about superheroes, which I, when we get a sec, I would like to know what we all individually think about that. Like as, uh, theoretical citizens of uh, the Marvel universe. I think they should. No, I'm not going to say it. I'm going to, I'll, you know what? I think they should be my friend. I'm going to take a bold stance here. Go ahead. (laughs) I, if I lived in a world where there are superheroes, I feel like you could probably, like, I would probably be pretty convinced that we need to have some sort maybe not a public registry, maybe not everybody needs to know who everybody is, but if you've got people that can, and I know that I'm literally just making, like, the same arguments they made in, like, 
X-Men 2 where like they're talking or X3 or whichever one where they're talking about like if you've got people who can walk through walls like somebody needs to be held accountable for that like I don't know like I feel like this comic occasionally makes some points about how like there's so much property damage that these people cause and like they are not being held accountable to anybody Mm-hmm. But it's hard to say because, like, it's also how can you, like, definitively know how you would feel about something in a situation where, like, it's literally, like, I don't live in a world where there are superheroes. So, like, how could I possibly know how I would feel in that moment? The th- yeah, totally. It's it's a it's one of the compelling questions that the book raises that as that is like an interesting question. But in the context of the Marvel Universe, you cannot answer and makes no sense and becomes completely nonsensical as soon as you start talking to it about it, which I think is one of the foundational flaws with the comic. Like, it's an interesting thing to pontificate about, and I'll, and I'll get to, to my answer in a second because I do think it's an interesting question. And it's a great question for, like, Astro City or a book like that, you know. Or even is... if this were, like, an Elseworlds and not, like, the state of the actual Marvel status quo. Right. That Something that is explicitly built to dissect, like, that moral question but A, I don't think Mark Millar is up to the task. And B, I think even a writer who was up to the task would fail because of what has to happen to maintain the status quo of a universe like Marvel or DC. So I don't think you really can get into that. I mean, I, I think if it were real, like obviously you wouldn't want superheroes acting as basically an arm of the state police, you know? I also, yeah, that's where i that like that's where i like come in conflict with this idea is that like i don't feel like they should be like they would they should be allowed to just run around doing whatever but i also don't want them to be an arm of like the government because the the government is usually controlled by shitty people at any given time which is why I think the Hickman X, the recent Hickman Hickman X Men book, uh, is probably like the most realistic, makes like the most realistic argument for what happened, which is that they would have so much power that they would basically form their own nation. That you know, because and what can you do to like? And that's just the X Men. That's not even the Avengers, you know. But it's like if Magneto and Professor X decide that like they are going to be heads of the heads of state of a country. And that country is going to be populated by Storm and Wolverine and Cyclops and Jean Grey. What is anybody going to do about it? You know, you know, like that's the, that's the thing is like the concerns about like are are valid, but like those are like the concerns that are raised in this book about completely unregulated people with a with some of which have powers that like could be as damaging as like nuclear weapons. Like it is a real question of like what you have to do with them. Um the answer is not necessary and and again also why i think the things that mark and this goes to the policing point that i think we should start getting into of like why the metaphor is so ill-equipped here for what millar is trying to make the book about politically because like there's a bit here where uh they come i think it's actually miriam sharp who does this who compares uh bill foster being killed by thor 
to a police officer shooting a criminal, like just a, a shooting a teenager criminal. specifically. It was like a teenager yeah. with a gun. It was just like, well, okay. There are a couple <laughs> right. of moments in this book and it like, and I just, there are like, it, it, there are, there are things that they say in this book that like part of me can't believe that it's being, that it's, that this is not supposed to be like, not a joke, but like ironic, like ironic, like dramatic irony. Like, like there's, like I said, uh, or like Alex brought up, but this is one that I put in the the group chat. What she says is Goliath knew what he was doing. He was breaking a law designed to save people's lives. If he'd only gone legitimate, he'd still be alive. This is no more your fault than a cop who should be blamed, who could be blamed for shooting a punk who pulls a gun on him. But then, like, later, I... Hold on. Captain America makes the same argument, basically. Yeah, something like... No, it's... Punisher makes the same argument to Captain America when he kill... When when he kills the two supervillains who show up to to help the secret avengers well and also um tony stark brings this up again in the fight with spider-man he says what are you talking about even though thor reacted like a police officer would right uh didn't forget that bill uh, don't forget that bill foster was a friend of mine like (laughs) right which again i think plays to the initial reading that i think millar wants the reader to have of the Tony Stark is the bad guy. Like it's, it's, it's not hard to read like the white woman telling the, telling Tony Stark to not have any guilt about Bill Foster, who is for people who haven't read the book is a black man being killed by being killed in the same way a police would kill a, a, a street thug or whatever her exact wording is. Like it's hard not to read that as like, Oh, this is a bad person who, you know, does not shirk at the idea of using like state violence to, to further her own personal goals, which no matter like what perspective she has, like, yeah, her son died in a tragedy that was caused by, superpower people with superpowers but like it doesn't in any way justify what she is trying to 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 to, to make happen and it's one of those weird things that again muddies the political metaphors when at the end you have captain america surrendering and and in theory this is what captain america is supposed to stand for that's like the whole point of the scene where you know they they let punisher into the secret avengers even though people don't really want to because, you know, they're worried that he is a weird, violent, fascist, psycho freak. And then he kills two people in front of them. And they're like, we don't what we don't do that. Like, we don't just pull out a submachine gun and kill people. And, but John, and ca- they were the bad guy. It was a funny scene. It, it's it like, really so funny. Out of nowhere. Just sort of nowhere. He's like, yeah, bad guy sensor detected. <laughs> like, yeah. And, and what like it wasn't a problem when he killed jack-o'-lantern like just blew his head oh, up earlier in the one book of the coolest scenes that were the two jack-o'-lantern the other guys their heads just blow up but the jack-o'-lantern kind of just goes, yeah it's awesome it like it explodes in the sewer. like if you shot an actual gourd yeah um because like in and that is like and again it's like we talked about this earlier but one of the things that is compelling about captain america's character 
in this book and and you know writ large in general is that like one of the one of the most interesting things you can do with him is to position him his values against the values of like america as a not as a concept but as an actual you know political entity that uses violence and 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 exercises state power and that is what he does in that scene right like what frank castle does in that scene is what an american police officer or service or or, or, or an american soldier would do in that case in that circumstance would be ordered to do and Captain America is set up as, you know, being against that. And so for him to just get to the end and throw away, like, what he is fighting for ideologically is a weird and very sudden and abrupt turn for a character like that. Mm-hmm. And it seems like for no reason. Like, it really does. I mean, and, and okay, like, in the book, I, mean, I guess the thinking is, okay, he brought Frank Castle on the team, or Frank Castle joined his team. Frank Castle killed someone. He's like, well, we can't be doing this. And he just has he just has that moment where he's like, no, no more fighting. But again, it, it does come out of kind of nowhere. It's not earned. And maybe it's earned in one of the... I don't know, various miniseries or tie-ins, but you read those before too, Jean-Luc. It doesn't seem like doesn't seem like it really was. Well, the problem is, is that the tie-ins again, like again, this is why I go back to the Astro City thing, which is a book that like frequently takes place from the perspective of people who aren't superheroes. Uh in, in it takes place from the perspective of normal people in a universe with superheroes, but all the tie-ins take place from the perspective of superheroes. So you don't really have a real sense for what the, what public opinion actually is. And because I could understand why captain America, I, I could sort of get why if captain America at the end finds himself facing down a bunch of average people who disagree with him, that he would fold it's a stretch because that's all he's always been written as a character who his ideals come before anything else. He's very much like Superman in that way. These people also come out of nowhere. Like it's, it's, it's a middle of a war zone and they just tackle captain America. And it's like, I, I guess you could look at it like, Oh wow, they're so brave for doing this. Like risking their lives in this war zone for what they think is right. It just, it comes off as awkward. And, I th- and like the other thing is like, I, I don't think we're really given in this book any any regular humans who aren't powered and aren't superheroes or villains who agree with Captain America's side, who are like, you know what? I don't think that you should restrict people's rights in that because they're, you know, they're still people. They might have powers, but like, that's part of the reason why I think the political message is a little like, mm, one of the many ones, because like, y- you don't get the perspective that people, that any any human is on board with Captain America's thing. Whereas I think there would be a lot of people who would be. So it's like, well, you say that, but but then you look at what the approval ratings were for the 2003 Iraq invasion and what the general like pushback was against, you know, anti-war protesters and 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 any sort of like anti-war ideology. But there were still outspoken anti like you would just expect to see like You don't get least... any of that in this book. And it's also very like US based. I mean, obviously because most superheroes are American, you know, just because of, you know, how comics really work but it's like there's a whole world here and if 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 all these superheroes are weapons or you know employees of the state here it's like it feels like there's not enough page room to explore it and they didn't talk about it in like the the spin-offs and obviously there's enough like it's such a like seven issues of nothing but you can kind of piece it together with the the stuff going around it that gives it the, the value and it's just like there's there's cool directions it could have gone with but 
the more you think about it, the more you're like, huh, nothing really. I have no, on to the next one. Question my my questions about Thor. Oh yes, so, which you alluded to, I think an hour ago. Well, yeah, but you know, I I it's not that important. It's mostly a nitpick. Okay, so he's like, he's a robot. But he's like also a clone. Well, he's a cyborg. He he he's biomechanical. One hair from Thor, and then Hank Pym's secret sauce. It just seemed like if they were just gonna make him a robot, why did they need to make him like? Why couldn't they just make a robot? <laughs> why did they? Right. Why did they need to like add a biological component? Is that where the thunder powers comes from? Like I'm at a loss here as to how the Thor robot works and also why. Yeah. So, so my understanding about the Thor robot is that the, the idea is that they want him not, they want him obviously as like the ace in the hole for, he's like, he, he's like Shazam to Lex Luthor or Captain Marvel to Lex Luthor in kingdom come. He's like the Trump card that they have that they can play to win. Not nearly as fucking cool. (laughs) Not nearly as cool, but they also, and of course it had to be also the guy with thunder powers because Millar, look, there are Mark Millar books that I like. I I like some Mark Millar comics, but the guy has zero unique ideas in his brain. The worst thing that you want to do when writing a bad thing is remind people of a better thing. Right. But, but, but also they want Thor to be biological so that he can be wheeled out to the public as oh look thor's back and he's on our side and not just go beep boop i am thor but like actually like have like real emotions well they've made like i mean vision's a robot and he can yeah but vision was kind of an accident yeah i just i don't know like it it seems like a it, it seems like overkill to for him to also be, like they could have just made like a real doll of Thor and like yeah convince people it was real or they could have just use Sentry in that scene who was supposed to be not like the powerful like Superman equivalent in the Marvel universe right like I, it didn't Actually, have yeah, to Sentry would make more sense. it didn't have to be Thor and so but. I think it literally it is Thor because I literally think it's Thor because Millar wanted it to be like Captain Marvel. It wanted it to be someone with thunder and lightning powers. So, like Kingdom Come, four issue series, um, a little oversized each issue. A Civil War, seven issues. So probably when you put all together, probably about the same page length when when you go all the way through. Um, Similar or equivalent in some way. Yeah, and it's just very interesting. Or, you know, having read comics, maybe it's not so interesting. Maybe it's very obvious that, like, um, a book that is actually contained and tells the whole story in one thing is more, is more, is, is, is better. It's, it sticks, it, you know, it lasts longer than something that is, like, this huge event that spans, like, probably, like, 50 issues when you look at it all together. And it's more like 60-ish, you know, I think. Oh, gross. And, and, and is brought into it and telling a similar-ish ish kind of story at, at different times. Um, but Kingdom Come being what ten years earlier, I think, or like something like that. Said, was it was it yeah, the nineties like, or almost yeah, almost, maybe exactly ten. I think I think it's Kingdom Come is ninety six. I think so. Yeah, almost just, exactly. Just looking at how years. well that like how we, we we talk a lot about comics that don't age, 
well. But how well that one ages compared to something that came out 10 years after it and how much more of an impact it has and how it like is actually a, a good comic book is uh, it's interesting. Well, I mean, on the whole, 90s comics, I feel like age better than early 2000s comics. Like, maybe that's just some personal bias, but like, it feels like there are things that people were trying in early 2000s comics, like, and there's sort of like an edginess there that like didn't age as well. Like not that nineties comics age particularly well either, I guess, but I, th- I think there's more highlights in the nineties, but I feel like if you're just like picked a random book in the nineties, you're getting a lot of like edgy shit too, but it's like a different, it's, yeah, it's yeah, a different yeah. kind. It's D- definitely d- like... Different kind of edgy. Maybe. I think you have a lens on the nineties that comes from like knowing people who read comics and are, talk about the good stuff from the 90s it's also fair my my experience is much more biased towards having read early 2000s stuff than having read 90s stuff the 90s is like the heyday of like jim lee and spawn and early image which is really really rough that's fair so i i don't necessarily know that i agree with that but i will say that like kingdom come is definitely an exception to that and part of it is that kingdom come is so character focused like civil wars big civil war i think would be a way more way better work if it did the kingdom the kingdom come thing of just super focusing in on one on basically two characters right in the way that you know kingdom come is about it's superman and batman and then wonder woman a little bit you know a bit but not to that same extent if this had that same like structure with, you know, and it could be with anyone it's, you know, cap Tony and then Sue, I guess, because you know, she's a woman. Um, If it did that rather than also trying to be like, Oh, but it's also about Hank Pym and Reed Richards and the young Avengers are here. And also Spider-Man gets a lot of page space and we have to do this whole weird thing with Punisher for two issues. It would just, everything would work so much better. And you know, obviously, I'm 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 you know Monday morning quarterbacking or whatever, but like, there is a real lack of focus that results in the character arcs being muddied and what the characters are actually fighting for and what they believe getting muddied along the way as well. Because in Kingdom Come, it's very clear like what Superman believes, and even though he ends up you know going. He, he ends up going down a darker path. Like, you know what he believes and he comes back to his moral groundings by the end. Whereas, and I, you can make the argument that's like, Oh, but it's like, this was, you know, the early two thousands was all about like, it's morally gray and, you know, Captain America wouldn't necessarily go back to his moral ground, you know, but which is kind of nonsensical to me because you don't really have a sense for what Captain America actually believes and you have to extrapolate it all based on what other characters say. So like even the stuff we've talked about where it's like, yeah, he's standing for like justice and like not gunning down, not like gunning people down because you like they're criminals or whatever, but then like he just gives it all. He doesn't actually believe in those things by the end of the book or he does. And he just decides they don't matter, which is, an even more cynical read, I think, but it's just so weird that like so much of it is just undermined by the ending. Like I, I think it has problems before that, but once you get to the ending, it is just like cuts it, cuts the story out at the knees. 
I I can't believe that I'm about to say this. Can I like sort of like tepidly devil's advocate a little here for yes, please. for for Civil War? I almost said Kingdom Come. <laughs> I'm gonna devil's advocate for Kingdom Kingdom Come. And say <laughs> King, I'm gonna devil's advocate for Kingdom Come, a comic that no one likes. Um, okay, so. I feel like we have complained a lot and rightly so about the fact that there is like very little character development in this. On the other hand, I feel like it might be important to consider the release model of this comic because if you're a comic reader at the time and you're interested in civil war and you're going to your local comic book shop to read it, you're not, you're likely not just subscribing to the core Civil War series. You've probably also got them setting aside various other Civil War tie-ins. So it's also likely that like, I don't want to say the average comic reader, but maybe the average Civil War enjoyer might not notice that there is so little character development in the core series because they're getting that filled in from these other issues that they're getting because only like there are so many issues coming out like every week or whatever so like you're actually reading it in you're you're more you're maybe more likely to read it in release order than just sitting down and reading civil war as a trade well, and I was genuinely shocked coming back to it and reading issues one through seven of Civil War at how little there is in there. Yeah. Because I had that experience and not like reading it, you know. Yeah, not while it was coming, coming out, out but, but you did read it in release order. Right. Yeah. I read the, I and I read all of the tie-ins, which. Yeah. That's do what I meant. genuinely fill in a lot of these blank spaces. The problem is, is that again, and this is again. I still like, think that that's bad. I just. Oh no no no! Totally. I, I I like. I think that we can set aside. I think we all would agree that like the model of like, if you want to understand this book, you have to buy fifty tie-ins. Yeah. Is, like a bad model and yes. exploitative of readers. Yes. But my 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 point is more that like, in addition, like on top of that, you have all these other books you know, obviously they're all being guided by civil war. Like they all have to like, you know, follow the, the, the canon and the chronology of what Martin Lawrence, Steve McNiven are doing in the main book. But also like those, what those writers are trying to say politically and socially is not necessarily the same as what Martin Millar is trying to say. Right. Also very fair. And, yeah. and so it just, I, I don't think that like, I think that like when we're, we, we've talked so much about it from this like perspective of like, what is the message thematically? What is Millar trying to get across? And I think that like, well, it is true that it's a better experience if you read the Spider-Man tie-ins and the Fantastic Four tie-ins and the Wolverine tie-ins and get the full picture of what's going on with the X-Men while this is happening. You will have a more fulfilling narrative experience, but from a like, but it will be just as unclear from a you know trying to do a close reading political perspective re- reading on the book because people are doing different different writers and creative teams are doing different different stuff yeah. with that and some are like you know like the runaways one was like a barely a tie-in probably more so continuing that book and some are like 
you know, wholeheartedly tying in. S- some guys, I'm sure, are like they know what their next book is. It's coming out based on this. They want to sort of get some some groundwork in there too. Um, I mean, most of all, and I don't know if we're going to keep talking about this anymore, but my final sort of thought on it is like, this is a blueprint on like, I think how not to do event comics, but also a blueprint on how, like, this was obviously very successful financially. And this was taken as a blueprint on how to do these ones where, um, and I, I, I genuinely do think that the DC ones that I've read, because the ones that I've mostly read do a better job of, of actually having the story be more meaty in the actual stuff and the tie-ins be like the tie-ins be stuff you don't actually have to read um and it, it, it again it varies it varies piece to piece but um it's neat in, on one hand if you read everything but you shouldn't have to read everything to get the story yeah 100 percent. i i would i wouldn't be so quick to let dc off the hook there but we'll give it a go <laughs> but but yeah i i do agree that like it is kind of a, it is kind of rough that this is, or, or for a long time became the model for event comics, but, and it sucks because I genuinely think like the first three or four issues of this, like actually present a compelling narrative. They set up a compelling story and, you know, our, our social media intern posted the, this page on uh, the, on our Twitter a month ago or, you know, yeah, about a month ago, I guess now, but it's just, it's actually like a great page from a, from a visual storytelling standpoint of, you know, Sp- during, of Spider-Man and Tony Stark fighting where, and it's just, it has this great nine panel grid of Spider-Man, uh, of Spider-Man saying like, you know, no matter how disappointed you are in me, I'll, I'll I'm way more disappointed in myself. And it's this great gr- grid of him, like, you know, swinging out of Avengers tower. And then the last panel on the page is him just face planting into a window and then you turn the page to tony stark saying this is avengers tower son we've got bulletproof glass God, so and, bad and then, and then spider-man escapes like three panels later like you you could have just gotten rid of the quip had him get out of there and it would have been a moment of like silence in the book a moment of like because that's like hmm. so like that's such a hard fucking line is like i'm disappointed in you not as disappointed as i am in myself <laughs> And to have that just end in, like, that slapstick moment is so rough. And, like, it it speaks to, like, the way that Millar writes comics, which is that, you know, he he can never, he can't fully resist the urge to, like, be a little bit irreverent, which is fine. Like, I I don't think that, like, there are, but but you have to pick your moments better than that. Yeah. And it it also speaks to, like, how, how weirdly, like, overwritten this book is and not overwritten in the way of like characters are monologuing at you constantly but in the way that like characters have to explain shit to you all the time even if they do it in a way that's concise it's like that line about you know him breaking the glass like it doesn't you don't really need that there's like that moment later on it contributes literally nothing I, I mean, there's that moment later on where, like, and this is, like, one thing that's, like, you see sometimes cited as, like, one of the best sequences in comics of, like, when they're bringing Daredevil into the, in, in, into the prison. I was going to bring this up. I'm so glad. <laughs> I'm literally, I'm looking at, I, like, I had yeah. it on my phone to bring up. Like, I was waiting. So I'm so but glad. But it actually... It actually is this great moment of like, they're like, he didn't say anything. We just found a piece of silver on him, which is, and it's referencing, you know, Judas's silver. It's a great moment. 
until the last panel on the play- page is Daredevil explaining the metaphor to you. Yeah, it's really bad, but like I just love how much how much of a fucking petty dramatic bitch Matt Murdock is because what he says is uh like they hand Tony the silver do- uh, the the silver dollar and Tony says a silver dollar I don't understand and then <laughs> Daredevil says guess that's thirty one pieces of silver you've got now huh sleep well Judas and it's just marvelous it's truly marvelous I laughed so hard but it like the the sleep well Judas is really bad. And if they had not used, if they had, like, just, if that last panel had no text bubble, like, would have been a perfect joke. Yes, I I think that that, like, that, that is definitely right. I had never seen that before, so I was pretty, I was, I was, I'm jazzed that I had not been uh, spoiled on that. Yeah. What I will say, though, is, um... And this is, again, a thing where that you wouldn't really know. That's At this time, it Matt Murdock is not in the Daredevil costume. Oh. Mm, see, and so yeah, no. it makes... That's not, Matt, that's not Matt Murdock? That's not Matt Murdock. You would think that would have come up at least once. Well, right. Especially given that, like, the Judas thing is specifically because, like, Matt Murdock is, like, a devout Christian. Like, exactly. that is, like, a big... Which is what makes it so, which is what makes that moment work. So Except who is that man? It's not Matt Murdock. I don't remember his name, but this is, this is at a time when it, this is like, it's, it's, it's like, it was, it, at the, it was like one of those things that, you know, like probably Millar should have known, but it, you know, it's not actually Matt Murdock in the Daredevil costume. Oh, so are you, so are you, are you saying that you think that he didn't, that he wrote this with the implication that this daredevil was supposed to be Matt Murdock in this book. Yes. Okay. That he well, then he that is makes writing me feel better. Which he is no, no, no. He is definitely writing Matt Murdock, even though in the status quo daredevil is not Matt. Murdock. Okay, that's very, very, very funny. That's funny. Yeah. Well, just shouldn't somebody in editorial have picked up on that? Like, do they not have some... Doesn't Star Wars have some, like, one guy whose job it is to keep the timeline yeah, correct? Like, do. does Marvel not have... Well, I guess... I already know the answer to that question. They do not. <laughs> to be fair, I do think that in the event comic, like, stretching the rules so that, like, your characters are the characters that everybody knows makes sense. Like... It does make sense that, like, yeah, like, you know, maybe we make an exception that, so that this is Matt Murdock, because that's the Daredevil everyone knows. But, again, it's not like he's in the book very much. Like, who and Daredevil's another character who, like, his internal conflict is interesting, like, because he is one of the characters where maintaining his, his, his identity, secret identity, is super important to him, and... It is a crux of like a number of like iconic Daredevil stories that like it is at risk or gets out who he is. I mean, that was literally like the whole thing in, in Born, Born Again. Again. Yeah. yeah. And so to like not treat, so to, for him to like get nothing basically, aside from like, okay, yeah, obviously he's on Captain America's side, but he, he really does nothing. Like he shows up a few times and then he gets captured and then you he see gets him, one like, very in... cool line and that's it. Well, yeah. yeah. And it well, is a great line. It is, it is a good moment. It's just that like, I, the... 
now you have 31 coins could have done without that don't need most, that most of the characters are just like oh wow like they're, they're there to posture at the beginning to tell you whose side they're on and then they get captured or like they fight at the end nothing happens it's kind of just like yeah they're here if you if you want to like if, if you want more about daredevil read daredevil series go ahead she hulks another one like that where they set her up in the first two issues yeah like, oh she's gonna jen is jen is gonna have a lot to do in this book and then, like, she gets, like, that one, like, really uh, egregious ass shot in issue two, and then you never hear from her again. Yeah. Uh, which is just, well, unless you're the Titans, obviously, but but in the main series, you don't. But yeah, like, and they, so- they set her up to seem like a, like, major player on the side of Tony Stark, and then just nothing. I, like, you could have had a really interesting, like compare like if you're assuming like if you're working with the assumption that this daredevil is matt murdoch or whatever you could have had a really interesting dynamic of two people like historically who have worked with the law on different sides of it now like yeah yeah there's there's a lot of stuff like there's a lot of like character beats that they could have hit and then they set up to hit and then and then too many characters and they do fuck all with them yeah yeah it's an event comic yeah fair enough (laughs) And that's why, like, tying it back, it's, like, to what we were talking about. Like, yeah, like, a lot of people at the time would have read a fair number of the tie-ins, or at least the ones that they were interested in. I bet the Spider-Man tie-ins sold, like, crazy because it's a big deal for the Spider-Man status quo. But, like, in in the context of, like, 2023, if somebody is, like, oh, if somebody asks for a superhero recommendation, like, oh, you should read Civil War they're going to read these seven issues, right? Like they're not going to go out of their way to find the tie-ins, which you can't expect. Unless I imagine that like, has Marvel put out like a, like civil war collected. They have, right? Yes, but not that are in in terms of like what is in print and easily available currently. Uh I would be surprised if it's anything other than Civil War issues one to seven. Okay. And maybe the collected edition includes like the there's like one of the aftermath one shot. Maybe it includes one of the Spider-Man issues. But Mm -hmm. yeah, like my library has like because I was there checking out Civil War. They have like all the trades that are, you know, the Civil War tie-in trades, and that they're there's like Civil War Punisher, Civil War Spider-Man. That's like all the characters are in their group yeah. together. But I, I don't know that those would like still be easy to find if you went to a bookstore. I mean, you can find them on Comicsology, I guess. Like, I was thinking more of like a Civil War omnibus type thing. Oh yeah, I'm sure that exists. They do um, for Avengers versus X Men. I remember this because at my store once. Um, I bought an omnibus, having never read, I don't, like you know, I, I wasn't even reading Marvel comics, but it was an omnibus for ten bucks. It was like you know a thousand pages, and it was literally just tie-ins to Avengers versus X Men, no main story. Um, I think I read like half of it, then, then stopped because it was it was dreadful. But it's a, uh, it's, it's so un, like it's, it's so there's there's such, there's such a high barrier of entry, for, even if you're someone who's like I just really want to know what happens in Civil War and like everything, and it's like well. Good luck. Like, yeah, uh, honestly, yeah. John Luke has linked into the chat uh, Civil War, the complete event. Which isn't, which that is, is a, is a digital collection. Oh, yeah. okay. So this Unmarble. isn't even uh, like a. Yeah, there, there is not, from what I am seeing, there is not a, an actual 
like full collected edition. That being said, it does. I don't see an. Oh, anybody. never mind. I, I I was about to say that it looks like some of the tie-ins are still in in print, but um, if you want to buy a physical copy of Civil War Spider Man, you can do so for a hundred and fifty dollars. I mean, wow. like, or you can just go to your fucking local comic shop because they pro- almost definitely got it. Yeah, or you know, go to your local library because it's you know so iconic that they probably also have it. But yeah, yes. support your local shops. Go to your library. You know, definitely read it. I like that's that's the weird thing about it is that like I don't like Civil War very much, but it is such a compelling. Emily said this at the beginning. It's a rich text. There's a lot going on in it that it makes it worth. I think reading and, and talking about and, and I found about, it so. absolutely fascinating to read. And I agree. I, like, I think that it, the biggest hindrance to this series is that it was not some sort of else worlds idea. And it was in fact, like an attempt to do something with the status quo comics, because you just can't like, you can't make, a dramatic change like that to the structure of the world of the like Marvel cinematic universe and just keep going like that. Like you just can't like, and I mean like, okay, like I guess, could you? Yeah. But like a people aren't going to like that and be like, they're not brave enough. (laughs) Like they're not brave enough to do anything that would like that. They can't walk back. And, it's, it's interesting, like, event comics, I think, are so popular because there are these moments where it's like, quote-unquote, anything can happen and these, whatever happens here will affect your favorite book or whatever happens here. In a way that sometimes, like, it feels like uh, individual series don't have that much room to have big lasting change. And, I mean, as we know, event comics don't actually bring lasting change. And it's like, you know, with all the reboots and stuff going on. Um, I... Yeah, Civil War is interesting. I had a lot of good moments in here, laughing and enjoying. I'm glad I read it. Some genuine good stuff. Yeah, but 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 again, it's something like I don't. Know I'm thinking of All Star Batman and Robin, but I'd rather read that as a book. Like like that's one that I genuinely like. In- All Star Batman and Robin feels like it has a lot more clarity of purpose than this because a strange it's, purpose because yeah. it's its own contained thing. It is, yeah. And this one's one that I never want to reread. I'm glad I read it, never. but this is not one like if you can read this book for free on your Comixology Unlimited, I, I don't recommend going to your store and picking up. I mean, support your local store, sure, but support go to your, something that you go like to your to local again. library. Yeah. Go go to your local public library and check it out and then bring it back. It will only cost you whatever it took to get you there. And at the same time, I feel like there's, you know, a lot of people who own this book and it's on their shelves because it's civil war and you, yeah, exactly. Okay. I'm so sorry, Jean-Luc. He raised his hand there. Um, but you know what? It's like, Hey, it's a big Marvel event series. It's a seminal piece. Might not be the best thing, but at least it's like interesting to to read and talk about. So, at least it wasn't boring. I'm very glad it wasn't boring. Yeah, yeah, not not at all boring. Yeah, Steve McNiven does good work. Steve McNiven is a really good like panel to panel storyteller. I think some of his panels are like you can tell that they rushed him a little bit. Fine. Yeah, you can definitely tell they rushed him a bit because there are definitely some faces in the later issues that are like, Ooh, oh yeah, faces are not the strong suit, but there's there's some cool like uh, the the daredevil scene we were talking about. Yeah, he like he gives a gravitas that the scene doesn't quite totally. stick the landing with the, with the writing. I think that happens a lot, like in the same thing in the Spider Man scene where like Steve McNiven is doing art for a book that is 
better than what this book is. <laughs> I, totally. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. Totally. Yeah, that is uh, that I that I all I I agree with all of that. Um, and with that, I think we're going to wrap up talking about Civil War. But first, there's a sound that I'm hearing, and it's I think it's the Doomsday Clock. Oh, uh, yep. Wait, hold if I had on. To guess. We didn't we didn't talk about who cried the most in Civil oh, War. That's true. It's definitely Sue. Yeah. Oh. It's definitely Reed Richards, Richards, but he di- he never cries because he doesn't understand. I that, feel like so. Spider Man does a lot of crying off scene, off screen. Spider Man yeah. does a lot of, is is about to do a lot of crying in like six issues after <laughs> okay. this. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, like to, <laughs> I didn't mean that, but yeah. What a silly book! I, I will never forgive book. J. Michael Straczynski for that. I mean, he's got plenty of crimes we don't need to forgive him for, so. <laughs> that that is also true, but none of them is as look, I, I'm not sure about all what all of them are, but I none of them are worse than one more day, I will say that with my full chest. But yeah, it's time for uh our cry space, which is, you know, a weekly segment we're trying out in the new year about where we talk about something that uh made each of us cry this week. Or well, this ep- between when we recorded this Today. episode and the last episode. <laughs> yeah. So uh did you guys come prepared? Always. Yeah. Always. Well, go ahead. Uh, Prove perhaps. It. Perhaps the cry space is that I know we we save our you know ranking show for the end of the year. We just had one for for 2022. Um, but Civil War is the top comic of 2022 right now. 2023 <laughs> right now. It's got the top spot by my calculations. Um, so a lot to take in there. It's also got the bottom spot, and I will endeavor to ensure that it does not have the bottom spot by the end of the year. Hey, if, if we read if we read that Spider Man book, it will not have the bottom spot. <laughs> God, I don't know if I can do like I, look. I don't know if I can do one more day again. I, I did it once, and I think I'm good. That's fair. That's very fair. Um, cry space. Um, today I went, and um, it's snowing right now in Toronto. You know, tis the season. Very nice. I had to go um, get my license renewed. And normally that takes like two, three hours. But I walked right in. No line. Took a picture. Got my license renewed. And then I was able to go to the to the dealership and get like my, my yearly check-in. Um, and they charged me $1,100 for the check-in. Well, so fuck. Yeah. A, a nice unexpected that's expense. Like, that's like well, American treatment right there. <laughs> Yeah, our our medical bills are, are are better in Canada, but not our car medical bills. So that's cool, though. I'm good for another year. That's terrifying. Um, but yeah, that's that. Between that and Civil War being the top comic of the year, I think it's a it's a cry worthy time. I have a cry space, but mine my my tears are tears of laughter on my part. Um, I have to, I have to share an anecdote with you to to, to give the full scope of this. So. Uh, as we are recording, it is near Christmas, and I am, of course, watching a bunch of horrible, corny animated Christmas fare. And one of these has been a chipmunk Christmas, which, as you can guess, it, uh, involves Alvin and uh, his brothers, the chipmunks. And specifically, a chipmunk Christmas refers to 
a special titled A Chipmunk Christmas, but it also refers to a VHS release of that special, which included with it two Christmas-themed episodes of the Alvin and the Chipmunks TV show. And so when I downloaded this to watch it, what I downloaded was all three of the, the, the short and two episodes all together. So I watched it, and one of the things that I... Uh, one of the things is notable that is notable about it is that there there's this Alvin and the Chipmunks Christmas song like please Christmas don't be late and since these are three separate entities of Alvin and the Chipmunks Christmas time cheer each one of these segments uh, contains a performance of that song. And uh, while I was, I was watching this in the middle of the day and across the room from me was my wife doing real work on their computer. And then, uh, so they like had to kind of hear through their headphones, this song several times over the course of an hour and then when they went out to grocery shop later in the day, that song came on the store radio overhead and they texted me about it and I laughed for five solid minutes. It was the, it's the funniest thing that's happened to me recently for sure. Thanks, Alvin. And it Any didn't even ones? happen to me. Thanks, Alvin, <laughs> for torturing <laughs> my wife. <laughs> My wife. My wife. My wife. What about you, John? Uh, mine happened while we were recording the, while we were recording this episode, which is that I referenced an article that I wrote a few years ago, and then Alex found it and posted the link, and I read it, and I was like, I think the points in here are right, but God, I suck at writing. I <laughs> well, you have also been allowed- wrote this like four years, five years uh, ago, so I, sh- I shouldn't have been allowed to do that for as long as I was, and that makes me sad. I love it. I loved it then. I love it now. I'm going to leave a comment. Do There's it. No comments Do that. Here. Okay. Oh, I got to log in. Uh. Never mind. Uh. <laughs> let, it, let it be known. Uh, yeah, those listening at home, go to HTTP. We'll put the S- link in the show notes. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and I'd, lo- I'd like to say that I, I'd like to end our personal civil war. Um. It's oh, you surrendering? Time. Yes. I'm not. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> one down. <laughs> this is like when Sue came over to Capside. I I haven't said whose side I'm coming over to. So, oh, you guys have two weeks. To be <laughs> on your side in this most civil of wars. God, even oh. even the going to Namor thing was stolen from Kingdom Come. This. That okay, also that seems yep. like it was one scene of like Namor and Sue talking and Namor being like, You like me, don't you? And she's like, Shit. And then like he like pops up and everyone's like, Oh god, Namor's here, we're gonna lose now. And then he's gone. <laughs> yeah. Well he brought his whole army. Well, I didn't think he was gonna show up considering he said, I'm not going to show up. Well, that's because again, didn't read the tie-ins, baby. It really does feel like a like a like a catalog to be like Oh God! It is so check out, check out the tie-in. It's like it, it's just a little taste. It is so weird that that scene in Atlantis ends with him very explicitly saying, "I am not going to help you," and then 
twist. There is. Well, actually, it specifically ends with, you want to fuck me so bad. Wait, yeah. and then, but also, it That's just leaves true. them there. So what happens there? What would change Did they perhaps... Was there sex in the Marvel Universe? What do you think happened, Alex? Was there sex in the Marvel Universe? I Has sex two. ever happened? In, well, I can't even say that because we literally got textual confirmation that sex happened during the course of this comic at least once. Yeah. Exactly. And you can read the, the Fantastic Four Fallout issues where Reed and Sue have to go to therapy to work out their marital issues. Please no. Is that- Please no. <laughs> They don't actually go to therapy, but there is a long arc about them having to work out their... They leave the Fantastic Four and get replaced by Black Panther and Storm. At this point, you can say anything about Marvel Comics, and I will (laughs) believe you for at least a second. I promise you that the Fantastic Four lineup after Civil War is the thing Johnny Storm, Black Panther, and Storm... Why would they join the Fantastic Four? I don't really remember, but it's like country. Well, but it's like he, the part of black Panther's arc afterwards is that he like decides that he has to be more active and that he and storm, you know, when they were married, they sort of secluded themselves from the, the rest of the world and stopped caring about like human and mutant issues. And so he's like, we gotta, we gotta get back out there. You can edit this out, but my biggest Marvel hot take is that, Having Black Panther and Storm be married is super fucking racist. Uh, yeah, lots of people would agree with you, which is probably part of the reason they undid it. I don't hey, know Marvel. like anything about it in context, but like I know that like it it is a thing that was part of the Marvel universe at some point, and every time I think about it, I get a little headache. I I this is the first I've ever heard of it, and it's like oh okay, interesting. Yeah. Yep. It's uh, not great. Um, but yeah. Uh, with that, you can find us online. We're at Crying Book Club on Twitter. Uh, just clip we will that be part back. where you said, yeah, it's not great. And just, <laughs> like, you know, what's the episode about? Let's go. Yeah, but you know what is great is... Uh, Following our, us our on po- Twitter. And the posts on Twitter. And reviewing they, us. You know what? They are, they are great. They yeah. are fantastic. So you can, yeah, and you know, rate us and review our, us on on your podcast platforms. Apple Podcasts, especially, is the big one where it f- yep. juices the algorithm. Yep, and we're we're keeping track of um, people interacting with us. And if you are the winner of the the fan of the year, you'll be on an episode. So we know who that's going to be because, well, I guess it could be any of us. But yeah, yeah, it's me. I'm the I'm the fan of yep. the year. It's going to be Chad. Wow. <laughs> it's not going to be Chad. It's Chad doesn't interact with our posts. Chad, Chad, yeah. Well, actually, speaking of Chad, in two weeks we'll be back with a new episode with the, his glorious return, where we'll be talking about the uh, twenty sixteen sixteen uh, horror miniseries, The Hunt. I hope it's bad, uh, so we continue this this streak, this wonderful. I don't know anything about The Hunt. Uh, give us a teaser. Well, you'll find out. It's like an uh, you'll find out when you read it for the show in two uh, weeks. Okay, you That's can't give teaser. us a fun teaser for the next episode. It's about like it's like an Irish, uh, it's it's like a, a an Irish folk horror book. Okay, fun. It's, yeah, it's cool. It's got a wolf, if I remember correctly. Hell yeah, love those guys. Um, and some gore, like people get fucked love that. up. Hell Real yeah. good. It's 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 Let's good stuff. Let's fucking go. We, we love to see it. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter. I'm at Mountain Dew Liker. 
Alex is at Alex Hanziak, and you can follow Emily at, at @mpandanata and listen to their other podcasts, such as Imagine Me and Utina, the Fresh Podcast Market, and the uh, newly debuted, maybe about to be debuted. That Soon. looks terrible. Yeah. Uh, and you can also check out uh, me and Emily on Letterboxd. I'm Jail Bot Bill, and Emily is Pandabore, which is also uh, their Twitch channel where they are streaming. Uh, the Ace Attorney games, and I tuned in for a bit of a stream and saw a guy that looked like a JoJo character, and we talked about the Quibi movie where uh, Anna Kendrick plays a sex doll that comes alive. Now it's based on real life. Yeah, I didn't know that part, but Emily filled me in on on some interesting details about. So does that that mean that in real life one did come to life? No, but uh, (laughs) it is it. It's based on the writer of the show's anxieties about her boyfriend's sex doll that he had before they got together. And and do you want to say? who her boyfriend oh yeah yeah i guess the boyfriend is notable because he's a co-creator of rick and morty dan Harmon. (laughs) wow that's which only made me want to watch the show even more yeah yeah what's a quibi subscription cost nowadays (laughs) nothing it's not around (laughs) wow every all the quibi content has been shuffled onto other things all right i'm angry again i'm back in the civil war (laughs) i'm back quibi it's withdrawing from the from the peace treaty. Yep, all right. Yep. Well, thank you all for listening, and that will do it for us. Take care. Bye. Bye.